Beyond the darkness, beyond the human evolution, is Khan, a genetically superior tyrant, exiled to a barren planet, banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy. Left for dead, he has survived. I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. There she is. to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me, marooned for all eternity, buried alive, buried alive. Sean! Sean! At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Good evening, everyone. This is Christopher McFarlane with the Red Enigma podcast. I have been away for a while. I apologize for that, but now let's get down to business. Tonight, I'm going to do something a little different because um, I would, I instead of talking about a particular movie, I am going to be discussing certain movies that have a 40-year anniversary this year, which is to say... These are movies that came out in 1982. And since I can only do 30 minutes with this podcast, I'm going to have three parts. So it'd be like 90 minutes, um, maybe longer of a series of movies that I have seen. And I'm going to give like a quick review, maybe like between a minute to three minutes of movies that I saw and think should be mentioned that came out in 1982. If anybody listens to this and suggests any other films that I didn't mention, please feel free to do so. I'm just talking about movies that I had seen, and there's a lot of them. It's going to be, I've seen about 40 to 45 of them, but I'm going to try to move things along with, excuse me, without, you know, going too fast or ramble on too much. Uh, So let's get down to it. And I'm going to start off with the movies that came out in January that I had seen, because I I look up on certain things when these movies got released. And let's see, the first movie that I'm going to mention, let's see, 
Let's go with a movie called The Seduction, which stars Morgan Fairchild and Andrew Stevens. It's kind of like a Skinamax movie with great... Well, actually, you could easily describe it as a lifetime movie with great cinematography. It's about this woman who's a newswoman that is being stalked by this good-looking photographer played by Andrew Stevens. And, well, I won't say it's a great movie, but it's definitely not near as bad as some people have given it credit for being. It's definitely a movie worth checking out if you can find it. And I think it's gotten a little more praise in, in recent years. It's definitely stylish. It's, it's not a great movie, but it's entertaining. It definitely has its moments. And I definitely think if you haven't seen it, check it out. If you have seen it, Go by and check it out again. Let's see. The next movie we can go to is Vice Squad. This is one of my, my favorites and one of my top 15. Actually, I got a top 25 list of movies from 1982, and this is definitely on the list. In fact, it'd probably be in my top 10. It stars Season Hoobly, Gary Swanson, and Wings Hauser. Um, and of course, the main reason I think people should check this out is because of Wings Hauser. He plays Ramrod, this killer pimp that, let's just say he's a brutal pimp that if you hold out on him, he'll beat you with his nightstick and not the most friendly places, if you know what I mean. Yeah, this movie came out in January of 82, and it's definitely worth checking out. Um, I believe it did pretty well on, I mean, it was a, I would say a pretty low budget movie, but it looks like it could have been released by a major studio. It does have a, a professional look for, you know, for a low budget movie. Let's just say it's worth checking out and it's definitely one of my top 10 from 1982. All right, let's see what else we got here. From that year, uh, January, January, Death Valley came out in January as well. It is a movie with Peter Bingsley. I think that's how you pronounce it. The kid from A Christmas Story and Paul Amat from American Graffiti and Catherine Hicks from Seventh Heaven. And it's basically about this kid who's going with his mother and boyfriend from New York to Death Valley, Colorado, I mean, California. And then he comes across, and then the little boy somehow comes across this guy who has killed people in Death Valley. So the movie is called Death Valley for two reasons because it's in Death Valley, California, and it's also because it's a slasher film. Um, it has a lot of slow moments, but some of the kills are pretty good. It also has Wolford Brimley in it, and that's worth seeing, especially his death scene. I would definitely check that movie out. Um, I might talk about that one in the near future. It, it's not a bad movie. A little slow, but it, it's got its good points. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, let's go on to February. 
The first one I'm going to mention is The Beast Within, which came out around February, of course, of 82. Um, and it stars Ronnie Cox and B.B. Bechet. And it's about this woman who was raped by a swamp monster outside of Jackson, Mississippi. And when she has a son and he turns 17, he starts turning into some monster and kills people and I think goes after this particular family. The plot really is, it doesn't always make a lot of sense, but it's got great special effects and it's not a bad movie. It's not a great movie, but it's definitely worth checking out for some of the kills and the um, special effects. I would definitely give that one a check out if, if, if I have the time. It's not a, not a great movie, but it's definitely not a bad one. Now let's get to a, one of my top 10 favorites, Death Wish 2, from in, that which came out in February of 82. And it's obviously Charles Bronson, who was in the first Death Wish. And in this one, his daughter is killed and his, well, his, his maid was raped and killed by these muggers. And his daughter was raped and then she jumped out a window and killed herself um, due to what the muggers did to her. And he goes after the muggers where in the first death wish he did, he went after any muggers that came after him. And this one, he goes after the specific type of muggers. And I got to be honest, I like death wish two better than death wish one. Cause it gets more to the point. Um, it does have a rough rape scene, but if you can take I Spit on Your Grave, I'm sure Death Wish 2 will be right up your alley. Um, again, it's one of my top 10 favorites of 1982. Definitely worth checking out, particularly the scene where Charles Bronson goes to one of the muggers and says, Do you believe in Jesus? Well, you're going to meet him. Bang, you know, it's it, it, it's cool. It, it really is cool. Plus, you got a cool ass Jimmy Page soundtrack, which is the bomb. It's definitely worth checking out. Love it. I loved it as a kid. I love it even now. And let's see what we got next. Um, we got Swamp Thing from February of 82. It was directed by Wes Craven. And I'm sure many of you have heard of Swamp Thing, especially the show that used to be on USA for a couple of years. And this movie had Adrian Barbeau. I think she gets topless in this from what I recall, which is always a good thing. Um, it's not a bad movie. It's, it's definitely more. It's not one of my top 25 favorites, but it is a good movie. Then again, you know, 1982 had some of my favorite movies, like 16 movies that are out of my top 200, of course, came out of 82. This one's not quite there, but it's still very good. It's definitely worth checking out. And if you like Wes Craven, I think you might like it. Definitely give it a try. I'll just put it to you that way. Um 
Let's see what else we got from February that I've seen. Okay, I think that might be it from February. Uh, let's go to March. Okay, well, we'll start with the movie Death Trap with Michael Caine and Christopher Reeve, which the movie is based on the the play. The movie's directed by Cindy Lumet, who has directed quite a few classics like Prince of the City, Network, Dog Day Afternoon, The Verdict, which I'll be talking about later. It's 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 a good movie. I think that one I would put in my top 25. Um Michael Caine is great as always and Christopher Reeve, you know, brings his A game to the project. I would say that and Street Smart were some of Christopher Reeve's best movies outside of Superman. It's a great play, but it makes for a great movie. It's well done. Diane Cannon is in it, and she's very good in it as well. Um, I would definitely recommend checking out Death Trap, especially if you're into the play. I think Ira, Ira Levin wrote the play. I have to take a look at it. All I know is it was a big-ass hit on Broadway that wasn't a musical. And I like murder mysteries. And, and this one this one is good. It's got some mystery. It, it's definitely uh, worth checking out when it's done right. And this movie does right by it, I would say. Let's see what else we got. Oh, yeah. One of my, my top ten favorites from 82 the hilarious offbeat eating Raul. It's a movie that I've talked about on my Facebook page quite a bit, directed by Paul Bertel, starring Paul Bertel and Mary Warnoff and Robert Beltran. I think that, yeah, I want to make sure I get his name right, who he plays Raul. And Ed Bagley Jr. and Buck Henry have um, pretty... Um, noticeable parts in it too they both play swingers in it that meet untimely deaths in it you have to see the movie to know what i'm talking about and another day i might give a full review of it um i highly recommend this movie um i like the fact that it starts out at one point and then it just builds like what i'm saying is the first, I would say, 30 minutes of the movie aren't even about Raul. But then after that, you know, they introduce Raul. And then there's actually more to the story that you don't know about yet. See, it's just not one of those movies that you, you know, figure out in the first 10 minutes of it like a lot of these movies are. And, well... The, the end of the movie, probably the title sums it up, but nevertheless, it's hilarious, it's funny, it's witty, it's clever, and it's one of my top 10 from 1982, and I more than definitely, I de let's say I definitely recommend it, um, particularly the Criterion Collection Blu-ray. Got great extras, and it looks great, too. So, um, 
that being said, let's move on to another film from March called Fitzcarraldo Carraldo with Klaus Kinski, directed by Werner Herzog. And think about Werner Herzog as I think some of his best movies really have to do with Klaus Kinski. And even though Aguri is my favorite, mostly because it's shorter, and Fitzcarraldo does move a little leisurely at times, and the movie's over two and a half hours, it's still worth checking out just for the insanity of it. And, you know, Klaus Kinski's hair. I mean, in, in this movie, he looks like a freaking cartoon character. But he definitely is Fitzcarraldo. He makes the movie worth watching. You know, not just the fact that it's filmed in the Amazon where most Hollywood movies wouldn't have the balls to film in a place like this without a huge crew. Well, let's just say if you really want to figure what I'm figure out what I'm talking about, check out Fitzcarraldo on YouTube. I believe it's still on there, even though it's two and a half hours. Trust me. It's definitely worth checking out if you want to see something different. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um, New York Ripper. Even though it says that it got released in March in Italy, I decided to put this here because it's one of my top 25. It's a movie with uh, no real names or anything like that, but it's directed by Lucio Fulci. And it's probably his most, or one of his most brutal movies. Very gritty. It's filmed in the, you know, you know, rough part of New York uh, in like Times Square. It's very sleazy, very gritty, very gruesome. And even though it doesn't always gel and some scenes could kind of drag, it's still definitely worth seeing for the the cool kills and the live sex shows that you don't see in a lot of mainstream cinema. Um, plus, its soundtrack is pretty cool, but then again, it's Lucio Fulci, so you, you're not going to go wrong with the soundtrack from any movie Lucio Fulci does from the 70s to about the early 80s. I would say this would be Lucio Fulci's last great movie. Definitely worth checking out. I own it on Blu-ray too. And it's definitely worth getting on Blu-ray if you're a fan of this kind of cinema because it's got the soundtrack and great bonus features. It's definitely a hell yeah with uh, New York Ripper. Let's see what else we got in March. Uh, I guess that's it in the March. Let's go to April. And we'll start off with the movie Basket Case, which I read is they were I think they're re-released that in some cinemas in New York City or something like that. Uh, it's definitely one of my top 10 favorites of 1982. It kind of reminds me of a trauma movie, but it's a bit better made than the usual trauma movie. It's low budget filmed in New York 
Times Square area in the early 80s. You can't beat that. Um, it's funny. It's gruesome. And it's never dull. And again, it's one of my top 10 favorites from 1982 and one of my top 200 favorites. So if let's just say if it's in the top 10, top 15 of 82, it's in my top 200. So, yes, I definitely recommend Basket Case, and I definitely would recommend getting it on Blu-ray, which I think I will definitely do. Now, I don't think I, I will definitely get it on Blu-ray because I always like to get Blu-rays that of movies that I treasure. So, well, all right, well, I'll move on. Cat People came out in April of 82, Stars Nastasha Kinski, Malcolm McDowell, John Hurd, rest in peace, uh, Annette O'Toole, Ed Bagley Jr., who gets his arm ripped off in it, which is the best part of the movie. To be honest, the movie kind of left me feeling kind of cold. It, it is a good time capsule for anybody that grew up or lives in new Orleans, this was new Orleans in 1982 and the movie's a great looking movie, very stylish, but a little over long. And it, it kind of left me cold, you know, for the most part. Um, what I recommend, I definitely think it's worth checking out, but I cannot entirely recommend it. It's not in my top 25 but nevertheless, it has its fans, and I guess it's worth checking out. If you could, fa you could always fast forward through some of the slower moments. Um, okay, let's see what we got here. Oh, one of my top ten, another top ten favorite. That is. One, I have a Facebook page dedicated to this movie that not a lot of people have heard of, but I think it, it deserves a growing following, and I think it's going to get that. It's 1982's I, the Jury, starring Armand DeSante and Barbara Carrera. And this is one of those movies that's a cross between Mike Hammer and Death Wish 2. Very sleazy, uh, very sexy. Um, you get to see Barbara Carrera naked, which is not a bad thing. Uh, it's got a little blood here and there. Um, it's got some good action. And I like the fact that, you know, the main character is a bit of an asshole and not a total pussy, which I, I miss characters like that. It's, it's a throwback to the old good old days of action figures that just don't give a fuck and just do what they got to do. Plus he drives a cool Trans Am, <laughs> which doesn't hurt. And a lot of it is filmed in time. I mean, I'd say a good part of it is filmed in Times Square during the good old days of New York, early eighties, New York time capsule type movie. I, I got the Blu-ray a few years ago and it's got a great audio commentary about the movie um, done by some film historian who praises it and gives some good info on it. And I would say 
if you listen to it, would make you appreciate the movie even more. Oh, yeah, it's got Paul Servino in it, so you can't go wrong there. Um, definitely one of my top 10 of 82. And if you haven't seen it, I, you probably never even heard of it. You should definitely check it out. If you can't check it out on YouTube, I'm sure you could check it out somewhere. And then if you really think, <clears throat> if you really believe it, you should buy the Blu-ray. You won't go wrong. All right, let's see where else we can go in April. Let me look and see. Oh, yeah, this is a movie I grew up with called Silent Rage with Chuck Norris. Actually, this is my favorite Chuck Norris movie. I saw this on HBO, and when I first saw it on HBO, the first part of it I saw was where Chuck Norris is basically beating the shit out of a bunch of bikers. And then the movie turns out to be about this killer who is indestructible due to genetic engineering. But then I finally saw it, um, the whole movie, on HBO a second time, which starts out with the killer and him killing the people he li he's, you know, with an axe and Chuck Norris fights him and, you know, he gets shot a bunch of times and still lives. Um, it's a pretty cool movie. Um, it could be a bit schlocky at times, but I, I liked the killer. I like the fact that he doesn't, doesn't really say anything and he grunts a lot and, you know, in a couple of scenes, his hair slicked back. And then the next scene, and then the next, well, in the same scene, his hair slicked back. And then they show him again. And his hair's not slicked back. But you'll know what I'm talking about if you check out the movie. It's a movie I, it's not perfect by any means, but I do highly recommend it. Um, I own this movie on DVD. I hope that it gets a Blu-ray release with some bonus features because this movie definitely has cult classic written all over it, especially with its cast of uh, Stephen Keats, who's been in a lot of movies, William Finley, who's been in quite a few horror movies and thrillers, particularly the ones with Brian De Palma, Ron Silver, and Stephen First, who played flounder in animal house and i believe he was in saint elsewhere and the movie the dream team so there's something yes i would recommend that one um definitely check that one out okay let's see if uh well i guess we gotta go into may and let's see what i will be mentioning oh yeah I will be talking about the first movie from May and the last movie to talk about in this sec. Actually, one of the last is Conan the Barbarian. Definitely one of the best movies of 1982 and one of my favorites as well. Um, the movie that introduced most of us to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I consider this his crowning masterpiece. Uh, I... I did see some of the remake and 
let's just say it doesn't hold a candle to the original Conan and the Barbarian. This is definitely a movie that if they re-released it in theaters, I definitely, I definitely go and check it out. I mean, yeah, there are moments in it that drag a bit, but it's got enough uh, nudity, sex, and violence to keep me interested or anybody interested. And plus, you got James Earl Jones as a snake worshiper. I mean, where 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 can you go wrong? I mean, it's it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't already. But I would say most most people I know or know of have seen Conan the Barbarian. Um, yeah, I highly recommend this movie. Um, so if you haven't seen it. You, you definitely need to check it out. If you have seen it, definitely check it out again. And if you really are bold, go get the DVD or Blu-ray of it. It's definitely worth it, um, particularly for the bonus features. And it's definitely a movie to have in your collection if you're a film lover. Definitely top 10 material, Conan. All right, let me see if I can... Um, interest let's see okay well another movie from may that i will mention is a movie called fighting back starring tom scarrett it's kind of similar to death wish but instead of charles bronson you get tom scarrett which is cool i wouldn't say this is quite as good or entertaining as death wish 2 it's definitely more mainstream. If you see the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's an overlooked masterpiece, but it, it's pretty stylish and it definitely has some good scenes. Um, got a good look to it. And I do recommend it. Um, not quite as much as I would a movie like I, the Jury. But I would say it's definitely worth checking out. And I guess that's all I could say about it. It's called Fighting Back, and it stars Tom Skerritt. Now, if you search on IMDb, I think there's more than one Fighting Back. But just the one I'm talking about, Fighting Back, 1982, with Tom Skerritt and Patty Lupone. I think, yeah, Patty Lupone. Um, okay, well... For this segment, that's all I got, um, but I got another segment coming up, and I will talk about more movies from 1982. I still got a couple more that came out in May, and we'll definitely take it from there. I hope uh, you enjoy what you've heard so far, and uh, I will be back in just a minute. Hello, hello. This is Christopher McFarlane again with the Red Enigma Movie Review Podcast. Starting back up with the second part of the films of 1982, particularly the ones that I have seen. Um, and again, if there are ones that I haven't mentioned that I should have, feel free to comment on my Facebook page and we'll take it from there. And Let's see where I, okay, now we are at May, and the movie I'm going to mention is 
Rocky Three, which is obviously the sequel to the gigantic hit Rocky, starring Sylvester Stallone. And right now we are at Rocky Three, where he is fighting Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. Um, this is where the the series starts to get a little more ridiculous and silly, but still highly, it's still highly entertaining. Um, definitely worth checking out. Um, plus it has that classic song, Eye of the Tiger, and you can't go wrong with any movie with that song, Eye of the Tiger. Um, and Stallone has never looked better than he did in Rocky Three with his hair. Just his look is, is better than ever. Um, yeah, I would definitely, I, I would recommend Rocky Three. I won't say it's as good as the first one, but in terms of entertainment value, I would definitely recommend it. And obviously a lot of people, enough people liked it because it was like the third biggest, it was the third highest grossing movie of 1982, at least in the U.S. So uh, further ado, we will go on to another film to wrap up the month of May called Visiting Hours, starring Lee Grant, William Shatner, and Michael Ironside. And that is about a woman played by Lee Grant, who is somewhat of a feminist, who has pretty strong opinions about, you know, women's rights. And he is, she has come under attack by this woman-hating serial killer played by Michael Ironside in a great role, in a badass role. Um, William Shatner plays Lee Grant's producer slash boyfriend, but he doesn't really have really that much of an important role. I think they just added him to it because he was a name and, you know, I guess they want to put in as many names as they possibly could. And it was released by a major studio. So I guess why not? Um, I've talked about this movie. It was one of my first um, episodes. I talked about visiting hours and I admitted that even though it was a bit slow at times, I still liked the movie. I would have given it, I think I gave it three and a half out of five fingers because it, I would have given it a better review. I think had it been slow, if, if, if it were up to me, I would have taken at least 10, 15 minutes out of the movie, maybe make it a little bloodier, make it to around 90, 95 minutes, make it a bit tighter and I would have given it at least a four-star review because it does have a lot going for it. Um, it has a nastiness about it, obviously, because it's in the video nasties. It was part of that video nasties in Britain, and one of those banned movies. Even though it's not really bloody, it has a viciousness to it. And I would still recommend you check it out. You can see it on YouTube, I believe. And people would ask me, would, would I recommend them getting it on Blu-ray or DVD? Let's say, why not? 
it's entertaining. Um, you could always fast forward through the slow stuff. And it's got a nastiness to it that I think is pretty cool. And it was probably one of the first thrillers that I remember seeing on HBO. I was maybe three when it was on HBO. So um, I believe that's all we have in the month of May. So now we can go on to June. So let's see what movies we have for June. Oh, here we go. We have Blade Runner, Ridley Scott's classic film starring Harrison Ford, Rudger Hauer, Sean Young, Daryl Hannon, Joanna Cassidy, Edward James Almost. It has a good cast. And to be honest with you, it's not one of my favorite movies it didn't quite grab me like it obviously did some people. All I really could say is it is a great looking movie and I could see why a lot of people like it now. As I recall, it wasn't a big hit when it first came out. I think it did okay, but it was definitely not the blockbuster that it would become later or at least get is acclaimed obviously it has a lot of a a lot of acclaim and a huge following since they got like a four-hour documentary about it so obviously has enough people that like it um i suppose i would recommend it on those grounds alone but it's not one of my favorites but I would say go check it out if you haven't already. I'm going to assume a good number of people who do listen to this podcast or know me probably have seen the movie. So we'll go from there. And let's see what other movies we got that are from. Oh, another one that isn't one of my favorites, but I liked it as a kid. And it ends up it was the highest grossing film of 82. And it is E.T., directed by Steven Spielberg. And I'm sure everybody has either seen or heard of E.T. And they know the plot, and they know it's about a friendly alien who becomes friends with uh, Henry Thomas and Drew Barrymore. And I hadn't really, I, I mean, I remember, I remember parts of it. But I can I could definitely say I, I'm not really into that kind of movie. Um, it's all right. It's definitely not, in my opinion, one of Spielberg's best, but I could see why it was such a big hit. And I can also see why the next movie that I'm going to recommend, which has got a similar theme, wasn't such a big hit. And that movie is The Thing. Um now, the thing I would say is probably in my top five from 1982. It's definitely a five-star movie, in my opinion. Um, it's my favorite John Carpenter movie. And I think it holds up much better than E.T. does. And it's obviously gained a huge following since they are going to re-release it in selected theaters. I think... Um, 
my local theater is going to play it for at least two nights. And I'm definitely looking forward to checking it out because if any movie deserves to be seen on the big screen again, it's definitely the thing. Um, there's not, I mean, there's so much I could say about it and I'll probably give a good review about it in the near future. And I, I have it on DVD and I'm probably, in fact, most likely going to get the shout factory Blu-ray because of all the bonus features. And I would say it's probably in the top 40 of my favorite movies. If there's any movie that I would, recommend from 1982 in the top four or even the top three it would be the thing and also the next movie that's coming up on the list which i had played the trailer for is star trek to the wrath of khan which is also one of my top favorite movies of all time and definitely in the top three of 1982 and the film that actually saved a franchise after the overblown original Star Trek, the motion picture, which to me is a movie that the sum of its parts are better than the whole. I mean, there's some great scenes in it, but there's also some laughable, boring scenes in it. And with Star Trek too, they just cut out the fat, um, trim the budget, and it has a cooler look to it. I, I, I've always liked the Star Trek better, where they wear the red, where their suits are red, maroon red, and the bridge is a darker color. And Star Trek Two is a darker film than any of the Star Trek movies, and I think is definitely the best one. If you go on multiple websites that rank the star trek films i would say 10 out of 12 of them will put star trek 2 at number one and it definitely deserves it and one of the main reasons of course is ricardo montavond as khan because khan played by ricardo montavond i would say is one of the greatest villains of all time one of the most badass villains of all time. And I do like Star Trek three. And I thought Christopher Lloyd did a great job as the lead Klingon, but he had, it was a hard act to follow. You know, he, he was having to fill in some big shoes and he just is, he was a great villain, but he just could not con would be con was like, the holy grail of movie villains, particularly in a Star Trek series. You you just couldn't beat Khan, at least the Ricardo Montalban Khan. Um, yes, some of it may look dated by today's standards, but I don't find that necessarily a bad thing. I like the look of it. I think the look of it is still pretty interesting. It might look low budget, but I mean, it does kind of look low budget by today's standards, but I think it's pretty effective. Sometimes, you know, when it's low budget, you have to be more creative. And this movie's plenty creative. So, um, yes, Star Trek Two and The Thing are definitely some of my favorites 
and definitely the top three of 1982. Which now we'll move on to another film from June, which I don't like quite as much, but it's definitely in the top 15 of movie or top 20 of movies from 1982. And that is Poltergeist um, directed by Toby Hooper. And the executive producer is of course, Steven Spielberg. Um, I do really like Poltergeist. It's just, I like the two that I mentioned before a bit better, but yeah, this was a movie I grew up with as a kid. And I think a lot of us did. And I appreciate it a whole lot better now after the really shitty remake of it. Um, its sequels were okay, but the only one I would really recommend is this one, the Poltergeist one. Um, I especially like the scene where the guy's ripping off his face while he's looking in the mirror. And then, of course, well, you have to see the rest of it to um know what i mean you know it's definitely one of those movies that had it come out a few years later it would have been pg-13 because it it definitely creeped me out as a kid but i really even then even if it creeped me out i still really liked it and i still highly recommend poltergeist and if you haven't seen it definitely check it out and i think those are the last movies that i have for june of 82 let's move on to july and see what i got um let's see okay the thing there give me a minute oh yeah here we go the movie night shift which i would say was one of my top 10 favorite from 82 starring henry winkler most people know him as the Fonz from Happy Days and Michael Keaton. It was his first starring role, I believe, and one of his best roles, in my opinion. And Shelley Long, who would go on to star in Cheers. Um, and this is a movie that I've always liked I, I, ever since I saw it on TV. Um, even though the subject matter is a bit sleazy, it's not a sleazy movie. Um, it, it has class. It has heart. Um, Ron Howard did a hell of a job with it. It's pretty damn funny. Um, and I think it's got a great soundtrack. And I, I would highly recommend Night Shift as one of those... Com I mean, I would say it's one of those comedies that, that even though it gets love, it doesn't get the recognition it deserves. If any movie really needs to be rediscovered, I would say it's... Ron Howard's Night Shift. Um, and uh, now we can move on to, let's see what else we got in July that I can move on to. Screw it. Uh, we'll go on to August. And, oh, no, no, no. I got one from July. I think it came out in July, but I'm going to mention it anyway. It's The Last American Virgin. It was directed by Boz Davidson. It was a canon release, you know, when the Golan and Globus were running the studio. And I would say it was one of my top five favorite canon films, even though it's, it's pretty, I wouldn't say it's a hilarious movie, 
but it's enjoyable. Got the, I mean, how the hell it got that soundtrack is is just kind of amazes me for such a low budget indie film, and it has an ending that's actually quite shocking for a movie of this genre. Not shocking as in violent, but shocking as you just don't see it coming. Even though when you watch it again, you kind of think, yeah, you should have seen it coming, but that there alone makes the movie memorable and definitely worth watching. Um, I might not put it in the top 10 of 82, but I definitely put it in the top 20. Um, I'm, I got a soft spot for Canon movies and this movie at least attempts to go in its own direction and that there just I have high regard I, I have a lot of respect for this movie and the actors in it I would say were pretty good particularly Diane Franklin and well I guess that's all I got to say about that movie definitely check out it's called The Last American Virgin um you won't be disappointed and if you are well that's on you but I don't think you'll be too disappointed. Um, now let's move on to another film, which, okay, let's move on to August. And we'll start with Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which I'm going to assume whoever's listening to this has probably heard of and seen. Um, it stars Sean Penn, Jennifer Jason Lee, Judge Reinhold, Forrest Whitaker, Phoebe Cates. This movie has plenty of memorable scenes, uh, obviously. Um, a pretty good soundtrack. Um, a movie that has grown in stature over time. Even had a short-lived sitcom named Fast Times. I never saw it, and apparently not many people did. <coughs> Um, and it's a movie that it's a high school type movie, kind of like last American Virgin that I would still say holds up pretty well and is definitely worth checking out for its characters. So, and you know, if it gets re-released in theaters, it's definitely worth checking out. Okay, now I'm going to move on to a darker high school film that came out of August of 82 in America. It is called Class of 1984. A pretty dark, violent, um, I'm trying to think of the word. God, I can't even think of the word of it, but it's more of a... I wouldn't say... Yeah, maybe downer's not the right word, but... And dark's not the right word, but it's definitely not a happy film. It's about this new teacher played by Perry King who comes, he, well, he's not, new, he, he, he comes to this new high school and he, he's one of them liberal type guys who tries to see the good in everybody. And he's not really prepared for what he, what is in store for him, which is, a group of hoodlums that basically run the school and terrorize everybody. And he's dealing with the leader of, of, of these, of this group who is pretty damn, let's say he's not a dummy. 
He's a smart dude. He's clever. And he's also mean. But he has that kind of pretty boy, innocent looking guy type vibe that makes him able to get away with things. Um, that character is played by Timothy Van Patten. He does a hell of a job. And it's a Canadian film. It's filmed in Toronto. It's got some Canadian people in it that you'd see in a lot of movies. But it also is noticeable for being one of the first films star that, that had Michael J. Fox in it. And he would go on to stardom probably around the time this movie came out in America due to family ties. And, well, he, he's uh, definitely, let's say it's worth checking out. It's not a pleasant movie by any stretch. But if you like thrillers and dark kind of high school movies, kind of punkish type vibe movies with some punk rock music and a little bit of Alice Cooper, you'll definitely dig Class of 1984. I dig the movie. I definitely think it's worth checking out. I like it better probably today than I than I did when I first saw it. Um, it's definitely worth checking out, worth reading about. I, I always recommend people read about the movies that I'm recommending or reviewing just to get a little more perspective on what the movie's about or what makes it tick or what makes it not tick because, you know, everybody has their own opinions. Okay, let's see where we can go from here. I think the next movie we're going to get to is a movie that is one of my top ten and one of my favorites is a movie called Pieces, um, a Spanish thriller set in Boston at some at Boston some university in Boston even though the movie was filmed actually in Spain and it's like one of those Italian giallo thrillers uh you know it, it it's schlocky it doesn't make sense some of the time a lot of the dialogue is ridiculous but let's say it's fun and it's never dull and if you're looking for blood, this the, this movie definitely has a lot of bloodletting and graphic violence, and it's more entertaining than Texas Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it's got a good, interesting soundtrack, and it's a great grindhouse type movie that I got on Blu-ray from Grindhouse release. That's got great bonus features, particularly a bonus feature about the the heyday of the Times Square 42nd Street era and the films and the filmmakers that were a part of that era. Um, plus, it's got a great poster, you know, so there's that. Yeah, I would definitely recommend Pieces. You could probably see it on YouTube or somewhere like that. But I would, I it, I would definitely say it's one of those movies you should check out, and if you if you dig it, you should definitely get it on Blu-ray. It's definitely worth it. Great bonus features, looks great, um, and we'll leave it at that. Um, let's see what we got next. Uh, okay, Fast Times we talked about. 
see pieces we talked about okay next we got officer and a gentleman starring richard gear and deborah winger and lewis gossett jr and i'm sure pretty much most people know about that movie it was the i think the fourth biggest hit of 1982 it also has a theme song that was a huge ass hit by joe cocker and jennifer warms called up where we belong and as far as movies that are love story dramas go it's not bad i mostly like it for lewis gossett jr because he is the drill sergeant that butts heads with our main protagonist played by richard gear and I will say it's not near as boring as I thought it would be or as sentimental as I thought it would be. And I could see why the movie did very well at the box office. So uh, I'll just leave it at that since I don't really, you know, those aren't really my kind of movies, but it's definitely worth mentioning, especially since it was so huge. Okay, let's see if there's any more in August. August, no, 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 no. Um, no, but we got September. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop here. And then I'm going to start off at September on the next, um, next segment. And that will be the last segment when I go from September to the end and we'll take it from there. But since I got a few more minutes to go, I might mention a couple of other things to just kill some time. Now, again, these are movies that I had seen in 1982. I can't recommend movies that I have not seen, but as I have mentioned before, if you, check out my podcast you can message me if you listen to it because it's free to listen to you can hear it on spotify or anchor whatever and on facebook i have it on a facebook you could you're more than welcome to mention any movies that i haven't mentioned or mention movies that i haven't reviewed um and i'll definitely take a look at it right now since i'm doing it on a no budget kind of thing um i don't have as much time to stretch out my show i only have 30 minutes but the more listeners i'm getting and i know i'm getting more i can definitely tell i'll be able to add more to it at there'll be more for budget purposes and my shows will be longer, maybe an hour, 90 minutes. Um, I don't want to make them too long because I, I listen to different podcasts and a lot of them end up wasting a lot of time talking about their personal life. And you don't really, they don't really get to the review of the movie until maybe 30 minutes, an hour into whatever they're doing. And I don't really like to do that. Um, and if I do talk about anything personal, I try to make it as short and sweet as I possibly can. And if I don't do that, feel free to mention, I, like I say, mention something, anything that could help the show, anything that could make it better, 
um, I'll tell you this much. I'm, I don't have a script with me at the moment. So everything I'm saying is off the cuff. So what you hear is what you get. And everything that I'm saying is just coming at that, that you hear is stuff that I'm thinking of at the spur of the moment. But um, I think I've gotten a bit better at trying to cut out the fad and get to the heart of the matter, which is the review of the films that I'm talking about. And since I've done that, I and the 30 minutes are almost up, I'm going to stop here and I'm going to get ready for the third part of this show and the final part of this show. So I will talk to you in a few more minutes. So I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard so far. And I guess keep on trucking. Hello, hello. This is Christopher McFarlane for the Red Enigma Movie Review Podcast. And here is the third segment of the movies from 1982 that I happened to see. And again, if there are movies that I have missed, please let me know. Um, I'm all, I, I can only, you know, go over the ones that I have seen. And um, they're going to Let's just leave it at that. Okay. Um, as far as I remember, we ended at sep- uh, yeah, September is where we should begin. So I will begin with Amityville Horror to the Possession. Um, it stars Burt Young, who played Paulie and Rocky. Rutanya Alda. She's a friend of mine and I can never pronounce her name. Please forgive me. She's very, she's the, she's the wife in the movie and Diane Franklin, who is in also the last American Virgin. She's also in it. And James Olsen plays the priest in it who happened to pass on um, like a month ago. Rest in peace. He was a great actor. Um, I will say I've never been a fan of the Emmyville horror series, but I will say that the second one is at least decent. I would say it's the best of the series. Um, it's pretty damn sleazy. Um, not pretty unsettling, but I think for the most part, it's well done, you know, because I thought the first one was, I don't know really anybody that liked the first one, even though it was this mega hit and everything, but yeah, Amityville Horror 2 is definitely worth checking out. Um, yeah, I think we'll just end it with that because I can't think of much else to say about Amityville 2 except that it's better than all the rest of them. And I, I'm sorry, Ms. Alda. Please forgive me. She did a hell of a job. Uh, she does an interview, and I think so is Diane Franklin for the Blu-ray of Emmyville 2, and that's definitely worth checking out. Um, so we'll 
go with that. Let me see what else came out in September that I happened to see. Uh, yada, 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 yada. Okay, I'll have to move on to October. Okay, October starts out with me, a movie that I would watch on HBO repeatedly as a kid. It is called Android. It stars Klaus Kinski, another movie in 82 with Klaus Kinski, and um, Max Opper. He would go on to do Critters. He played the Charlie character. Um, it's a low-budget sci-fi movie. I think Roger Corman was a part of it. It's like 80 minutes long. You could tell that it's low-budget, but it's pretty damn effective. It's pretty creative. See, the thing about it is with low-budget movies is sometimes you got to get creative, kind of like this podcast. Um, it doesn't have all the, the, the budget for a show to be longer. I need more material. I need to raise more money and fans to get to a higher plateau in this podcast. So while you're at a low budget, that's your chance to really get creative and show what you can do despite having a limited to no budget on it. And Android seems like that too. You know, you could tell it's, almost a no budget movie, but it's well done. It's never boring. I loved it as a kid. And when I watched it as an adult, it's still pretty good. You know, it, it really is. You should definitely check it out. In fact, I might order that on Blu-ray in the near future. And, you know, you can't go wrong with Klaus Kinski in 1982, you know, after Fitzcarraldo and, there is the movie Venom. I don't think I mentioned it. I forgot to mention Venom. It's that movie with the snake, the black mamba. Uh, it stars Klaus and Oliver Reed. And it's basically them bickering at each other. Klaus plays a terrorist and Oliver Reed works at, works for him. And they're holding this kid and his grandpa, you know, in a house. And there's cops around. It's kind of, it turns into like a dog day afternoon type scenario. But, uh. Well, we'll get on to that later, as I usually say. Okay, another October classic that I saw last night is the first Rambo, which is titled First Blood. Uh, obviously, it stars Sylvester Stallone. And I used to watch this movie repeatedly when it was on HBO or NBC. Uh, I love the theme song at the end. Um, I like all... I mean... Some of the Rambo series are kind of dated to me. I do like the first one. I liked, somewhat liked the fourth one, although it was, it went by very quickly. So I guess that's something. And then the last Rambo was pretty badass. If you like blood and action and the fact that Stallone at 73, you know, he still looks pretty badass. I mean, he does not let age slow him down, but, you know, he's also wiser than he was, you know, when he started out in the series. And there's some growth there. And uh, But to me, First Blood, the first one, will always be my favorite. I like Brian Dennehy. He's a great asshole. Uh, Richard Crennan, you know. I would say this was one of his best roles and uh, 
and throughout the series, you know, he was pretty good in it as well. Um, there's not much I could say about First Blood. I do own it on DVD, and I think most of you now, excuse me, know about it. So there's not much to say, but I will highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, check it out. If you had seen it, check it out again. And, um, okay, let's see what else we got. Friday the 13th, Part 3. I will say that this is my favorite Friday the 13th. It's in 3D, and it's the first one where you see Jason with the hockey mask that... um, that kid Shelly had, but uh, that, that, that's, I'll, I'll talk about that another time. This one, I think, um, I always thought Friday the 13th was pretty mediocre, but it had a great, it came out at the right time. I always look at it as kind of the deep throat of slasher films. It came out at the right time, had great marketing, great poster, it was, and it was, and uh, somehow it did very, very well. It also helped that it was released by a major distribution. So it got it more into the mainstream. And, and I will say Friday the 13th part one had some cool gore effects. I noticed that most of the Friday the 13th, a lot of the violence is actually trimmed, but you got some good graphic violence in the first one. And I think Friday 13th part three has some pretty cool graphic violence too. Um, I, I don't know. I I, 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 I have a soft spot for Friday 13th part three. I actually think it's the best one of the series. Um, so definitely check out that one if you haven't already. And we also have another part three, which is Halloween part three. Now, Halloween Part 3 has, I think, what it, it has its fans and as well as its detractors. It's one of those movies you either really like or you don't like it. Um, at the time, it was not well received, I'm sure, because it didn't have really anything to do with Michael Myers. It, it had a different story. It had its own thing. And I think that might have put people off a bit. Um, I can't really, I, I just forgot the word to really say how to describe Friday the 13th part. I mean, not, not Friday 13th part three, Halloween part three. But I will say it has its fans and it has its detractors. But I think over time, it's gotten better received. Uh, I think uh, people have warmed up to it a bit better. But, of course, it still has its detractors um, because I guess it doesn't involve Michael Myers. Maybe if it uh, had a different title, they may like it better. I don't know. But, honestly, I I thought it was pretty cool. And I, I do like the theme song. Happy, happy Halloween, 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 happy, happy Halloween, Silver Shamrock. And, you know, you also have cool scenes like the kid putting on the Halloween mask, watching the commercial, and then all of a sudden it 
his head's getting crushed and then snakes and bugs come out of his mask, out of his head. It's, you have to see it. it. It's pretty cool. It's it's definitely worth checking out. Definitely check out Halloween 3, especially on Halloween. Um, I, I, I feel you won't regret it. And I think in the future I'll talk more about it um, in a further episode. Okay, let's go ahead and see what else we got in October. Oh, one of my top ten favorites again. I'm back on with that. Uh, the movie is called Q, the Winged Serpent, directed by Larry Cohen, starring Michael Moriarty, Candy Clark, Richard Roundtree, Shaft, and David Carradine. Um, it's kind of I, I don't know I don't know if I could call it a dark comedy. It's very it's bizarre in a great way. Um, it's Larry Cohen, so it's always going to, you know, Larry Cohen may not always make great movies, but he makes interesting movies. And he's very, he's really that guerrilla filmmaker type guy. You know, he, he likes to get down and dirty, um, which gives it some kind of realism, some grittiness. I would say Q was his best movie. Some would say it's alive because it's his most known, but I really dug Q, um, and I thought it was one. Of, I thought it was Michael Moriarty's best performance, particularly in a Larry Cohen movie, because he's done. I think he did like three of them, and he's always playing this kind of weirdo who somehow ends up the hero somehow. I don't know if I'd necessarily call him a hero in this, but um, it's an interesting character. And the movie's interesting, you know. It's not just about the wing. It's not just about the giant bird that, you know, bites people's heads off and nests in the Chrysler building. And another good thing about it is the era that it came out in, you know, the early 80s, New York, Times Square thing. Well, doesn't matter. I mean, I got a few movies from that era on this list, like I, The Jury, um, basket case, New York Ripper. Um, this definitely belongs up there. It's very good. Um, definitely worth checking out. It's called Q, the Winged Serpent. It, trust me, it, if you're into kind of weird, bizarre cinema, you cannot go wrong with Q. Okay, let's move on. Let's see what we else we got. I think that's it for October. So let's go on to November. Okay. The first movie I'm going to talk about for November is 48 Hours with Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy's film debut, by the way. And in my opinion, Eddie Murphy's best movie. I like Eddie Murphy. I think he was great in the 80s. I love, I mean, I like Beverly Hills Cop and, and Trading Places. But for me, 48 Hours was really, that's the one that really meant the most, at least to me. And I like Nick Nolte. I'm a big Nick Nolte fan. He's great. Even though it's true, Eddie Murphy does steal the show. Um, this movie was really good at the kind of buddy buddy cop or cop criminal movie. Kind of serious, but also funny. It really works here, I think, more than it does with Lethal Weapon or a lot of movies that came out later. Even though I like Lethal Weapon, 48 Hours is, is really king for me. So 
If you haven't seen 48 Hours, I suggest you check that out as soon as possible. Great movie. Another top, at least top 10, maybe top 15 movie from 1982. And one of my top 200 favorites. Next, we have Francis. The movie that I think Jessica Lange should have won Best Actress for. Um, See, this movie here, she really gets to show what she could do. I mean, Tootsie, she was good, but she was the straight woman, you know. I think if anybody should won an Oscar for Best Actress or Supporting Actress, I think it was Terry Garr because she got to really be crazy and kind of a wild card. But here is where Jessica Lange gets to be the wild card. It gets to show her, you know, you know, what makes her so compelling. And the movie itself is not always a pleasant one. And the character is not always a pleasant one. I mean, I always thought, I, from what I hear, this movie is not necessarily accurate, but She's an interesting character, but I also think that she was also, she reminds me of somebody in real life who somehow has to screw up everything going for her. She always has to make things difficult instead of, you know, when she gets in a situation and plays it cool and be, and, 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 and ends up be smart about it. She ends up having to make things worse for herself. And here, you know, she always has to be a rebel. She always has to be a fighter. But the problem is you can only be a fighter for so long. And you got to know where to pick your... I, I've learned as I got older, you got to learn when to pick your battles. And it just seems like this woman, every day was a battle. Every battle... She had everything that came her way she had to, to fight, and it ended up costing her, and it ended up um, ruining her, and it's kind of sad, but a lot of what happens in the movie to her is really her own damn fault. I'm sorry, it just is, but I still love the movie. It's an interesting you know, interesting movie. I love characters like this, and I, I think Jessica Lange was never better than she was in Francis. Definitely check that movie out. You could always check it out online somewhere. Um, um, let's see what else we got. We have Alone in the Dark, the next one from November, starring Jack Palance, Martin Landau, Donald Pleasant. Um, I really don't know what to say about this movie. Honestly, I find it pretty stupid. But I also kind of find it amusing. Um, it definitely has its moments. I like Martin Landau. I like Jack Palance. And, you know, seeing Donald Sutherland, you know, smoking uh, his uh, good ganja, as it were, in his doctor's office, you don't really see that in movies anymore. It's just one of those movies. I'm just not really quite sure what to think of it. Because for the most part, it is really, I think it's pretty damn stupid. But on the other hand, it's also pretty entertaining. Most likely, I think, because of the cast in it. And like I say, I'm, 
I like Jack Palance. I mean, he doesn't really do anything in this movie. And you know that this guy is someone not to mess with. Yeah, he was a pretty badass old man. You know, let me tell you. Uh, I guess you could check that one out. I, I, I don't really give a shit what you do with that one. Okay, the next one I have is one of my favorites, at least the top, I would say top 10, um, Creep Show. Um, Creep Show, as you know, is directed by George Romero, as you know or may not know. It is his first mainstream film, was released by Warner Brothers. Um, it stars Hal Hallbrook, Hal Hallbrook, I'm sorry, Adrian Barbeau. It's early performances of Ted Danson, Ed Harris. Um, it also has Leslie Nielsen. Um, I, I, I liked it as a kid. I still like it now. I think it holds up really well. I like the fact that the cockroaches in it are real and not CGI. I would say my favorite of the five segments has to be the one where you see Ted Danson get buried up to his neck and while the tide comes in by Leslie Nielsen. I mean, if you want to see Leslie Nielsen in a more straight role where he's a villain, look no further. He does not disappoint. Stephen King is also in the movie and his acting is a bit over the top. But if you if you really understand, it's supposed to be so. That doesn't, and it's a, it's kind of a short segment. It, it, I'll talk about Creep Show in the near future because it is a good movie. I really like it. Um, I would say it's the best of the uh, movies involving different tales, like. Um, in the, in, the, in the vein of like Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt, uh, Tales from the Hood. Tales, and those are all good. Um, but Creep Show, I would say, is the best. A lot better than the show, which I thought was, I'm honestly kind of stupid. <laughs> but that's for another day. Okay, and next for November, we have Gandhi. And I actually saw Gandhi the other day and the first time I actually saw Gandhi I had just turned 40 I, I waited 40 years to actually see the movie because it was long I thought it was going to be dull but you know what I thought it was really good I thought Gandhi was pretty damn compelling and I could see why it got an Oscar I won't say it's the best movie of 1982 there are plenty that are better but I could see why it got it. It's good. Um, ben Kingsley made a great Gandhi. Um, even though Gandhi was a pacifist, there was something about him you just had to admire. He wasn't a pussy. See, pacifist doesn't mean they're pussies. So, and he went on. He didn't whine and bitch, and, and you know he got shit done. And the character was interesting. And it had a great cast. You had like John Gilgood, Candace Bergen. Um, and I believe it was directed by Sir Richard Attenborough, uh, the guy from The Great Escape um, and a bunch of other things. Oh, yeah, he was in Jurassic Park. He was the older guy in Jurassic Park. I like Richard Attenborough. I thought he was great. And he was a great director, too. And Gandhi's definitely no exception. Yeah, it's long, but you know what? 
there are a lot of there, there are quite a few great movies that are three hours long. Don't let the length like for the longest time. I, I, I put off seeing Gone with the Wind because it was like four hours long. Then I finally saw Gone with the Wind. And that's now one of my favorite movies. I got the Blu-ray, uh, the, the, the box set with all the extras. I even have the book. I mean, I would say Gone with the Wind is probably my top 20. I mean, if any movie stands with stands the test of time and it being like over 60 years old, Gone with the Wind is definitely that movie. But I'll talk about Gone with the Wind another day. Um, let's see what else. We only have a few more to go. The next movie I have is in November. It's called The Verdict, starring Paul Newman. And one of his best performances. I thought he should have gotten an Oscar for this movie. He got nominated, I believe, but he should have gotten an Oscar for this. It was the first time I'd see Paul Newman look his age and play somebody that wasn't. You know, every movie I'd see him in, he was usually a winner. He was usually young. He had a young spirit, very sympathetic very go-getter here he's basically a alcoholic shyster who is looking for redemption and he finds it in this case where all he would have had to do before was settle and he would have won but then something in him when he you know was like he would have lot he feels lost if he would have taken the case so he had to do what he felt was right and fight against a system that could easily crush him. If any, I mean, this is a story where the guy has all the cards stacked against him almost up until the very end. But you, and, and yeah, it is a bit slow at times, but I would say give it a second or third chance and you'll appreciate the movie more. It's a great performance. It's a great movie. Um, one of Paul Newman's best. One of Cindy Lumet, the director's best. Um, it's a true winner. And uh, that's the rest. That's it for November. Now I got December. I got like one or two more because that's all the time we have. So actually, I got one more, and that's going to be Tootsie. Another favorite from 1982. Um, one of Dustin Hoffman's best movies. Hilarious. See, the thing about Tootsie compared to like Mrs. Doubtfire was when I see Tootsie, it didn't seem like it was trying to be a laugh out loud movie where he would do a bunch of stupid things and drag and... I almost felt like Mrs. Doubtfire was playing more to the kid, kitty audience. Tootsie seems more like an adult comedy and it's more subtle. It does have some of those kind of, you know, look at me, I'm in drag goofy moments, but it's not ultra silly. And it doesn't seem like Dustin Hoffman is play. Well, I guess in a way he might be playing himself because in real life, he, as far as he would probably say, 
you know, his character in it is like him. He's very difficult. He, um, he's a very difficult actor who has his way about doing things, which may not, I would say the character here would be Dustin Hoffman. If Dustin Hoffman were not a movie star, he'd be a struggling actor who no one would hire because he's, he he would just be too much, you know, he kind of reminds me of myself as an actor, but Hey, if, if I, if there was a chance for me to star in something that I could get a lot of money in and I had to dress and drag shit, I'd probably do the same thing as he did. I mean, and also when he's playing this character, he starts to learn more about women. It's almost like he understands women more than he did before. He even says to Jessica Lang at the end, I was better with you as a woman than I ever was with a woman as a man. You know, he, he looks at like the Dabney Coleman character as being a chauvinist, sexist pig, kind of an ass whole, but I think he also saw himself in Dabney Coleman, he even says to him as Dorothy, as the woman, I understand you better than you think I do. And I'm sure that's what he was talking about. Um, and Tootsie was, was a huge hit. It was, I think, the second biggest hit behind E.T. Um, Jessica Lane won an Oscar for it. I think she, again, I said she should have won for Francis, but she was good in this. It was just she was the straight person. She was the leading lady, and she did the part real well, but I felt like, you know, she wasn't able to show what she could do quite as well. And, of course, she got Terry Garr, who's always good, and Dabney Coleman, a great asshole, Loved him in 9 to 5, and I love that show Buffalo Bill that he would do later in, like, 83 that has become kind of a cult show, uh, whatnot. Okay, well, I guess that is all the movies that I have seen in 1982. Yes, that's quite a bit of movies from one year. Um, again, if I missed any, please let me know, and I'll check them out. Um I have had fun going over these movies. I hope you enjoyed my brief review and hopefully you check out movies that if you haven't seen them, check them out. If you've seen them, go check them out again and possibly go buy one or two or how many you want on Blu-ray. I always like to encourage people to buy physical media, but, you know, just pick and choose more carefully. You don't have to buy every freaking thing, you know, why not? Cause physical media really is an important thing. Okay. That's all the time I got. Um, have a good day and I'll hopefully hear from you guys. next. It's a long road when you're on your own and it hurts when they tear your dreams apart in every new town.
Use a friend.